Blog Talk Radio. But I come to tell you tonight, somebody asked a question one day, say, is there anything too hard for God? This man had power. I said this man had power. 
Hallelujah. Ending Friday, the weekend. Saturday, we begin the weekend. And so we're thankful, thankful unto him. Hallelujah. And this weekend, I want you to uh, talk of his wondrous work. Any way you can somebody listen to him and make known his deeds among the people. He wished that none should perish, and we should too. And in this hour, people are going through. People are going through. Groceries are expensive. Everything, gas, this, that. I thought Walmart was really and truly Target because of the prices in there. I mean, they are getting all they can get for every last single penny. Walmart. And I'm thinking, y'all need to cut it out. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yes, ma'am, Sister Jerry, you certainly will, but I got a little surprise for you. I'm going to send that in. You not the boss of me. <laughs> and so we thank God this morning, and a good to see you back, Sister Jerry, because I missed that 805. I was like, wait a minute, now, Jerry talking all this stuff, what these people saying, but we're going to get together on this, because God is more than we need. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, yesterday, Brother Louis here, it was raining, drizzling, uh, the wind high. Yesterday morning, it was actually cold. And I forgot and dressed for the winter. I'm not playing. When I went out, I was dressed for the winter. So uh, I eventually took my hoodie off. But it was a strange kind of day, warm and cool at the same time. I, I, I can't even explain but we know how that Florida weather go, yeah. But we thank God he got us through the day, got us through the evening, and uh, we were blessed. We were blessed. So today is Friday and testifying. Yeah, it's Friday and testifying, or it's testifying and Friday, the way you want to put it. But today is that day that you talk of his wondrous works and you make known his deeds among the people. And so I decided, I said, well, Lord, sometimes people don't want to talk here. Uh, maybe they feel some type of way, or I don't know what it is. Maybe they don't feel led. But tell somebody that they testify somewhere. Wherever you go, testify today that God is who he says he is. Yeah, testify today that God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. And I have to think on it sometime because... I don't quite witness the way everybody else may think it should go. I start telling my testimony of what he's done for me in my life. And people's ears perk up because, you know, they like to hear uh, talk. People like that. They like to be entertained and they like to hear talk. Some of them love gossip. And so when I'm telling it, the way I tell it, it sounds like I'm gossiping about somebody else, but I'm telling you my story. My testimony. Yeah. And so if ever there was a time for us to put God out in the land, now is that time. It's time for us to stop being quiet, dead Christians or believers or, or the people of God or saints. It's time for us to stop being quiet and dead and thinking we the only one uh, know him. And I don't need to share this with nobody else. I got it. Nope. We need to sound the horn, blow the trumpet. God so loved us, he sent his only begotten son. And if you can believe, 
you won't perish but have everlasting life because of this. Once you start believing, you're going to start investigating. You're going to start researching. You, you, you'll start praying. And you pray for wisdom, knowledge, and a great understanding. Because again, this morning he said, in all I get and get understanding. He wants us to be wise men and women. Hallelujah. Yeah, we can. when you're wise, you can help somebody else. When you got understanding, you can help somebody else. See, I know how to get from Jacksonville to Green Coast Springs. I know how to get there. I know how to go the scenic route. I know how to go on the freeway, you know, the interstate. I know how to go all those kind of ways from Jacksonville to Green Coast Springs, Florida. Why? I understand, and I have wisdom. Well, how did you get the wisdom? I've been there before. I've done it too many times for too many years. Yeah, I can take 95 to 10 out of Jacksonville, run it to 295, and drop right off on 17, keep 17 straight out, you're going into Green Coast. Or I can take Roosevelt Boulevard, which would turn into 17, and it keeps straight out. You don't have to turn. Just keep straight out from downtown to 17. You get to 95. <laughs> 95 is going to run you to 10. 10 is going to take you right off there. You can jump right down there on your left and get off on 17 and roll it all the way into Green Coast Springs. Why? I understand. I have wisdom about the route. I've been there and done that plenty of times. So when we get to know God for ourselves, and we study in his word plenty of times, we're praying unto him a lot of times, plenty of times, every day, over and over. We know something about him. We have understanding of our God. Some things he's doing for me that he's not doing for you. Some things he's doing for you he's not doing for me. Or well, why is that possible? All our needs are not the same. Yet we need this God. Hallelujah. Yet we need Jehovah. Oh, we thank him this morning. I'm grateful unto him. So listen, I, I, I believe I have a powerful show uh, lined up today. I believe the Lord is leading and guiding in a wonderful testimony. And this morning, we want to take a listen to put God first. And what we're going to do is we're going to take this for seven days. So yesterday made day one, today made two, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and next Friday will be our last day uh, straight in a row listening to put God first. And if we listening to this, this should strengthen our Christian walk. The believers walk. The saints of God walk. The people of God walk. That's what this should do. I have some more. I have um, God is greater than our struggles. I have 10 clear signs. You have the Holy Spirit. All of this is important. We need to know these things. And to put God first. Give him the first fruit of everything we got. The first fruit of our day when we wake up, we tell him thank you. Hallelujah. He know the intent of our heart. He know we're grateful unto him. He know we appreciate him and we love him. Yeah. 
And he said this for each of us. All things will work together for our good. I say they must work because he said it. And he's not a lying God. So all things must work together for our good. Many of us he called. Well, if you saved, he called you. And a few of us has been chosen. And we decided to make Jesus our choice. And so no matter what comes your way, it's yet going to end up good for you. Every time it's going to end up good for you. Sometimes you'll forget it. Sometimes you'll see it in your favor. Sometimes what you thought the outcome would be is nothing like that. It's much better. God is faithful to his people. Thank you, Jesus. So listen, we're moving right along this morning. I'm going to this one. Uh, this is a request. And when we come back, we're coming back to put God first. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what I'm saying, DJ Proclaimer. Play the music every time. You know what I'm saying? Feeling fine.
Did you know that whether you are fully aware or not, you have placed something first in your life? Have you ever stopped to consider what occupies that prime spot in your heart and whether or not it truly deserves that honor? Today, I want to urge you to put God first in your life. Let us delve into God's Word to truly understand the profound impact of making Him the center of our lives. I am also going to pray a powerful prayer with you in the mighty name of Jesus. So watch until the end and open your hearts to receive the blessings of this prayer. Now consider this. Every decision, every action, and every thought reflects what we value most. The choices we make daily are a mirror to our soul's deepest desires and priorities. But, you know what? We should always ensure that we put God first in all that we do. When we truly place Him at the forefront of our lives, we experience a transformation so profound that our lives will never be the same. Today, I want to share with you nine essential truths to keep in mind as we seek to ensure that we've put God first in our lives. As we discuss these nine truths, I pray that each one will resonate deeply within you, guiding your path closer to God's heart. Remember, a life centered around God is not just rewarding. It's the very essence of true fulfillment in your life. Number one, understand the ultimate priority. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. This isn't a mere statement. It's a profound truth. Every day, life presents us with an array of choices. It's like being at a grand buffet with so many dishes to pick from. What do you prioritize? The world offers temporary pleasures, wealth, fame, luxury, and all the material stuff you can think of. But what does God offer? God offers himself, which covers everything. When we prioritize God, we aren't merely adding him to our list. We are placing him at the top. By aligning ourselves with God's purpose, our entire perspective shifts. Life's challenges, rather than appearing as insurmountable obstacles, become lessons. They evolve into opportunities for growth and self-discovery. And you know what's interesting? When we place God first, everything else falls into place. It's like that void we once had. It's filled, that deep emptiness within us. Like there's something missing, it's gone. Because when we place God first, we begin to find fulfillment in His love and purpose. It's one thing for me to tell you, but my friends, experiencing it for yourself is another thing. It's life-changing in a tangible way. Once you place God first and feel that fulfillment personally, no one can sway your conviction, just like no one can persuade me otherwise, because I've felt and seen the power of God at work in my own life and in the lives of others. And that's what makes the Daily Jesus devotional community so unique on this platform. We aren't here for superficial reasons. 
We are deeply committed to spreading the gospel and transforming lives because we've witnessed God's power firsthand. Our team members have all walked that path. And we invite you daily to join us on this life-changing journey towards a deeper connection with God and to live a victorious life. And here's something else to think about. Remember the story of Noah and the ark? God told Noah to build an enormous boat because a flood was coming. People laughed and thought Noah was silly, but Noah listened to God, put him first, and built the ark. When the flood came, Noah and his family were safe. Just like Noah, when we listen to God and put him first, we're protected and guided. Even when things get tough or confusing, having God as our top priority helps us stay strong, hopeful, and filled with peace. So, let's be like Noah and keep choosing God and putting him first. With God leading the way, our lives are always on the right track. Number two, there is the gravity of idolatry. As the book of Exodus warns us, in chapter 20, verse 3, You shall have no other gods before me. On the surface, this may sound straightforward. Most of us might say, I don't worship idols. So this doesn't apply to me. But let's dig deeper. Idolatry isn't just about bowing to statues. It's about what occupies the throne of our heart. Is it money? Career? Relationships? Social status? Oftentimes, Without even realizing it, these things take God's place in our lives. Every time we prioritize our desires, our fears, or the world's approval over God's voice, we place something else in His rightful position. Sometimes it may be unintentional, but that still doesn't change the reality. It's therefore essential to regularly examine our hearts and realign our priorities by recognizing and dethroning these idols in our lives, we clear a path for God to take his rightful place. Let's think about the story of Jonah for a moment. Most of us are familiar with this story. Jonah tried to run from God's command, prioritizing his own feelings and fears over God's guidance. He ended up in the belly of a big fish. Yet, in that dark place, Jonah found clarity. He prayed and turned his heart back to God, and God, in his endless mercy, gave Jonah another chance. Just like Jonah, we too can find ourselves in tricky situations when we let other things take the place of God in our lives. But the beautiful thing is that God always gives us a way back. If we take a moment, refocus, and push aside the idols that have crept into our lives, we can begin to experience the joy and peace that comes from truly putting God first. Our God is faithful and full of mercy. After all, as Psalm 37 verse 4 reminds us, delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. This Bible verse offers us a promise worth holding on to. Number three know about the transformative power of divine guidance. Proverbs beautifully echoes this in chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean, not on your own understanding. 
In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. This isn't mere advice. It's a life principle. In our journey through life, we often come across crossroads, moments of uncertainty, and periods of darkness. We all do. It's in these moments that our human understanding feels woefully inadequate. But there's a promise awaiting us. We are promised of God's divine guidance. When we fully trust in God and acknowledge Him, He doesn't just enlighten our path. He leads us by the hand. This guidance isn't about merely avoiding pitfalls. It's about being directed towards a life of abundance and purpose. It's about embracing a journey where every turn, every twist, and every pause has divine intent behind it. Reflecting on the story of David and Goliath offers profound insight into divine guidance. As a young shepherd boy, David faced the towering giant, Goliath. By human understanding, David had no chance. He was not a trained soldier, and he did not have the size or strength of Goliath. But David wasn't relying on his own understanding. He trusted in the Lord. In the book of 1 Samuel 17, verse 45, with a simple sling and five smooth stones, he confronted the giant, saying, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. With God's guidance, David defeated Goliath and demonstrated that divine guidance and trust in the Lord could overcome even the most insurmountable challenges. This story encourages us to remember that when we trust in God's guidance, when we put God first, we can face our giants, no matter how big they seem. God is always ready to guide us, making our paths straight and leading us to victory. Number four, reordering our priorities is crucial. In Luke 10, verses 41 to 42, we find a lesson on priorities. When Jesus told Martha, 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 you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. He was pointing out the essence of priorities. Life is bustling, filled with tasks, responsibilities, and distractions. In the midst of this, it's easy to forget the most crucial aspect, our spiritual well-being. The dishes will always be there. The laundry will pile up again, and the emails will keep coming. But the moments that we spend at the feet of Jesus, those are irreplaceable. It's a lesson for all of us. While we shouldn't neglect our chores and responsibilities, it's vital to ensure they don't overshadow our relationship with God. By regularly reordering our priorities, we ensure a balanced, fulfilling life where both spiritual and worldly responsibilities are harmoniously balanced. Taking a leaf from the book of Psalms, we are reminded in Psalm 46, verse 10, Be still and know that I am God in our fast-paced world. Stillness is often overlooked, yet it's in these quiet moments that we can genuinely connect with God and hear His voice. Think of the story of Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. After witnessing powerful events like fire and earthquake, God's voice came to him 
not in the grand spectacles, but in a gentle whisper. This emphasizes the importance of quiet moments, away from the clatter and clamor of daily life. By making time for God in our busy schedules, by being still and listening, we give Him the space to speak to our hearts and guide us. This doesn't mean quitting our jobs or abandoning our chores. It means setting aside purposeful moments each day, even if it's just a few minutes to sit in His presence. And as we do, our priorities naturally find their rightful order. With God at the center, number five, the joy of a God-centered life. Psalm 16 verse 11 states, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. How beautiful is that promise. The world offers pleasures. Yes, but they are temporary. They are like bursts of flavor that quickly fade away. God's joy, on the other hand, is eternal. It sustains, strengthens, and renews. A God-centered life is similar to dwelling in a perpetual spring. Even in the midst of challenges, there's an underlying current of joy. This joy isn't rooted in circumstances, but in a deep-seated relationship with the Creator. With God at the center, life becomes an exciting journey, filled with wonder, adventure, and profound joy. Reflecting on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, we see Him proclaiming in Matthew 5, verse 8, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This purity of heart translates to a life free from the entanglements of worldly distractions and temptations. A heart devoted solely to God. Such a heart sees God, not just in grand miracles, but in everyday moments. The smile of a child, the beauty of a sunset, or the kindness of a stranger. A God-centered life brings clarity, like the clear waters of a still pond. Everything becomes a reflection of God's love and goodness. Every experience, good or bad, is an opportunity to draw closer to Him. And in this closeness, in this intimacy with the divine, we find the deepest and most enduring joy. It's a joy that goes beyond mere happiness. It's a joy that resonates in the depths of one's soul, regardless of what's happening around us. Number six, be confident about God's provision and promise. The promise in Philippians 4 verse 19 is a beacon of hope. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When we prioritize God, it doesn't mean forsaking our needs, desires, or dreams. Rather, it's entrusting them to someone who knows us better than we know ourselves. God's provision isn't about just fulfilling our needs. It's about exceeding them. It's not about giving us what we want, but what we truly need. Imagine a loving father looking at his child. He doesn't just provide for the child's basic needs, but delights in giving gifts, surprises, and blessings. That's how God views us. By placing Him first, we tap into an infinite reservoir of blessings that flow from His throne. Number 7. Know the outcome of a divided heart. James 1 verses 6 to 8 cautions. 
But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Duality is a challenge. Trying to balance between God and the world creates instability. Like trying to stand on two boats, drifting in opposite directions. By serving two masters, we become spiritually lukewarm. Neither here nor there, but by giving God our undivided heart, we find solidity, stability, and purpose. Our choices become clear, our path becomes defined, and our destiny becomes aligned with His perfect will. Number 8. Understand Life's True Purpose Have you ever grappled with the whole thought of why you are here? Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13 sums up the essence of our existence, and it says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Amidst the noise of the world, it's easy to lose sight of our true purpose. Are we here just to live, earn, spend, and then fade away? Or is there a higher purpose to our lives, a divine calling? By honoring God and following His commandments, we align ourselves with this higher purpose. Life, then, isn't just about living. It's about thriving. It's about making a difference, touching lives, and leaving a legacy of faith, hope, and love. Embracing this truth brings clarity to our journey in life and adds meaning to every step we take. So remember, we are here to fear God and keep His commandments. And to do this, we have to put God first. Number 9. Know about the unmatched reward. Jesus made a profound promise in Mark 10 verses 29 to 30. And Jesus answered and said, Verily, I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake, and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time. Houses, and brethren, and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. So this isn't a transactional relationship. It's a covenant. When we prioritize God, the rewards aren't just spiritual. They manifest in our everyday lives. We will notice that blessings, favor, open doors, and divine connections become a part of our daily experiences. Above all, the promise of eternal life awaits us. It's an eternity, not just of existence, but of joy, love, and unparalleled communion with God. And does this mean that we won't ever face opposition, discrimination, or persecution because of our faith? No, it doesn't mean that either. Jesus consistently taught that following him might lead to suffering, and this scripture also underscores that message. However, amidst these challenges, when we put God first, we are also assured of victory through Christ who strengthens and uplifts us in every trial. In other words, the enemy won't have the final say. God does. 
Let us look again at the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. After squandering his inheritance and living a life away from his father, the son decides to return home, expecting rebuke. He is instead met with an overwhelming embrace and celebration from his father. This story illustrates God's grace and the unmatched reward awaiting those who return to him. Just like the father who throws a grand celebration for his returned son, God celebrates each of us. The reward is not based on our worthiness, but on his boundless love. Know that every sacrifice made, every challenge faced in the name of faith, is recognized and rewarded by God. And beyond the material and tangible, there lies the profound peace and joy of knowing we are cherished and valued. The rewards God offers aren't just for a moment. They echo into eternity, shaping our existence beyond this life. Now, in Revelation 3 verse 20, God extends an open invitation saying, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. This isn't about a distant God up in the heavens. It's about a loving Father at our doorstep, waiting to be invited in. It's up to us to make that choice, to open our hearts and let Him reign supreme in our lives. Consider this. The beauty of the gospel lies in its power to transform. When we embrace these truths and place God at the pinnacle of our priorities, our lives experience a profound transformation. So if you believe that you have placed God first in your life and there is no positive transformation, you need to do some introspection and ask for God's guidance and always remember to be patient and trust God's timing. By making God our utmost priority, we move from merely going through the motions to living with purpose and intent and those challenges we encounter. They evolve into opportunities for growth. As for the blessings, expect them to manifest as daily miracles in your life. The promise is clear. Put God first in your life, and your life will undoubtedly never be the same. Now, to all those within the sound of my voice, let us go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me, so that you can have all the blessings of this prayer. Let us pray to our gracious and loving God, Everlasting Father, Almighty God. You are the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the creator of heaven and earth. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Lord, I am grateful for your faithful promises your amazing grace, your everlasting love, and your mercies that endures forevermore. Lord, I thank you for the gift of life, and I thank you for the many blessings you have given to me. Father, I humbly approach your throne of grace, acknowledging my sins, my mistakes, and my shortcomings. Forgive me of my trespasses as I also forgive all those who have trespassed against me. Lord, forgive me for the times I've placed other things above you, 
For moments, I've let the pleasures of this world distract me from your eternal promises. In the mighty name of Jesus, I declare that every chain of idolatry and distraction in my life is broken, and I rebuke every spirit of confusion and worldly temptation that tries to pull me away from your presence by the authority of the blood of Jesus. I claim emotional, physical, and spiritual healing over every part of my being. I declare, in the name of Jesus, that the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead flows through my veins, revitalizing and renewing my spirit, mind, and body. Merciful Father, I pray for divine protection over my life and the life of my loved ones. Lord, I ask that you command your mighty angels to stand guard around us, shielding us from all harm or evil. Father, you are our provider, and I ask for your abundant blessings to overflow in our lives. May you guide our paths and draw us closer to you. Lord, help us to prioritize you above all things and experience the fullness of joy that only you can give. Father, as I say this prayer, together with everyone listening, I thank you for each heart that is humbled before you right now. For those who are feeling lost, may you be their saving grace and guiding light. For those who are burdened, may your Holy Spirit be their comforter and grant them peace. For those struggling with their priorities, may you grant them the conviction to put you first and the discernment to choose what truly matters. And for those in need of your touch, may you bring them healing, vitality, and restoration. Heavenly Father, we come into agreement as a faith-filled community, and we thank you for the rewards and benefits you have promised us in your word. We ask for the strength and wisdom to always seek your kingdom first, to reorder our priorities, and to embrace the joy and transformation that comes from your divine guidance. Lord, I thank you for hearing and answering my prayer. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray, Amen. If you were blessed by this message, type the word Amen in the comment section below. I declare that all the blessings of this prayer are now upon you in the name of Jesus. You can help us to reach more persons. He lives, I live Because He gave, I give Because He bore my shame and took my place He took my place I can never be the same Now when He looks at me He sees Calvary Across the blood, the nail pierced hand, his nail pierced hand, 
Because of him I have a new name New name, new name, new name Satan got no hold on me New name, new name, new name I'm in him and he's in me contradiction to what I saw displayed in my regular life, right? Self-harm became my way out of things, and because of that, I never really felt like I could even move forward in what 
it meant to be a Christian. I remember the pastor, he started preaching. Of course, I tuned out because that's what I always did. Basically, he decided to read a poetry piece by somebody who I don't even know who it was. I don't think he knows who it was. And basically, it was about um, this girl who, she was depressed and she was sad and she was very lonely and she needed God to be a friend. And I remember hearing that and thinking to myself, I never heard this about God. I never heard that God could be a friend. My name is Chinanye, and I am Nigerian. Um, I relocated to the United States in 2009, and I am an author, a spoken word minister, and ultimately just a lover of Jesus. Chiji, can you tell us about your testimony of Jesus, starting with your childhood? So, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, my dad is actually a pastor, and basically, growing up, I, of course, I was forced to go to church. Um, Back then, with my siblings, I have two siblings, two older siblings. Um, however, back then, we never really understood the essence of why we go to church. So we just kind of went to church because we had no choice but to go to church. Basically, I went to church just feeling like I had to out of routine. All of those times, I got involved in children's choir, acting, whatever they needed. I was just one who was involved because I'm super extroverted, and I'm willing just to be there whatever necessary. Um, however, um, there was a lot of tension in my household, so there was a lot of things going on, and ultimately, my parents ended up getting a divorce. And when my friend got a divorce, it got a little complicated because, of course, now my siblings were not were no longer living with my dad, and I was the only one who was left to live with my dad. So because of this, I felt like I grew up feeling like I had to figure things out on my own, right? So when it came to God or when it came to even life or what it meant to be a woman, things like that, my dad was never around. So I just felt like I had to figure it out on my own. And back then, I lived with a couple of family members, but... Because I never really had a full structure of who God was, I felt like I was very numb to just the whole idea of what intimacy with God meant. I never saw that displayed. And I remember at some point I even told myself, if this is what being a Christian looks like, I don't think I want to be a Christian. So I never wanted to associate with being a Christian. I was still forced to go to church. However, for me, I, I saw God as this high being who who people professed but never really lived like, right? Because I read the Bible, but... Reading the Bible was direct contradiction to what I saw displayed in my regular life, right? Of course, things have changed since then, but basically... So, Chi-Chi, what were some of the things you were seeing being done around you by these Christians or the people professing Christ that kind of made you want to turn away? So some of the things I saw, I think for me, it was just a lot of arguments. It was a lot of um, words that were said, misplaced words. And also at that time, I also experienced some form of sexual abuse, which I didn't really know was sexual abuse at that time. At that time, I just felt like I couldn't say anything, right? And even when I wanted to live with my mom, it was responded with violence. And for me, it was like that when I expressed what I wanted in my life, I felt like it was violence that was reciprocated to me. So those are some of the things I was experiencing at the time. And ultimately, things changed, and I ended up in the United States. And back then, I told myself I didn't really want I didn't really want God. However, the whole time, I felt like God kept pursuing me. So I was one who always had dreams and things of that sort. So I would have dreams of even heaven and hell, and it would scare me. However, for me, I always responded out of, okay, God, I feel like I have to know you. So even when I first got saved, I first got saved back in 2010, I literally responded to salvation out of fear because I was so scared of hell. And I told myself, 
people talk about hell and I've heard about hell all my life and I just don't want to be the one ending up there, right? So, however, I never experienced the joy, peace, um, love that people said they encountered with the God. So, for me, I never attributed those attributes to God. I felt like I had to find those things somewhere else. So, even when I got saved, I remember I was still searching for these things, right? So, back in high school and middle school, I was I was really hit with depression and I actually started to self-harm, right? So, I started to self-harm because I was very numb to my emotions because I felt like I had nowhere to go. I had nowhere to go to with them, right? So, back then, um, my dad still lived in Nigeria, still lives in Nigeria, and I lived with my mom and my stepfather. Our house was very, very, very toxic. Um, there was there were just a lot of toxic things happening. However, however, for me, I felt like I had to take care of myself. So, self harm became my way out of things, and because of that. I never really felt like I could even move forward in what it meant to be a Christian or even think about being a Christian. I was just trying to be on a defense, defense mode all the time. So essentially I went through that and basically I remember one time I asked God for something. I had prayed about something. I finally tried to trust God who one thing in my life and God did not respond to me. And for me, I automatically figured that well, since God did not respond to me the way I wanted him to respond to me, this must mean that God is not real. So I convinced myself that God was not real, and I told myself I was agnostic. The only problem with being agnostic at the time was I was still forced to go to church. And for me, my parents are African, so I didn't really have a choice in, like, trying to fight fight back against that so I told myself I was going to go to church and that's actually how I started getting into writing so I used to write poetry to actually bash God so I used to write poetry to bash God and bash the church and basically that became like my thing to do when I was in church like just finding things that was wrong with the church finding out that was wrong with um, the pastors and things like that so that was my escape so I remember I went to my friend they had a vacation Bible school and basically um, I was invited and I told myself okay I want to go hang out with my friends because I'm really community. I went to go hang out with my friends, and I remember the pastor, he started preaching. Of course, I tuned out, because that's what I always did, and basically, he decided to read a poetry piece by somebody who I don't know who it was. I don't think he knows who it was, and basically, it was about um, this girl who was very, she was depressed, and she was sad, and she was very lonely, and she needed God to be a friend, and I remember hearing that and thinking to myself, I never heard this about God. I never heard that God could be a friend. I was like, okay, I just want God to be a friend. So that was my first time actually seeing God in a semi-different light, right? So I was like, God, I would just like you to please be my friend. I heard that you are, you're a good friend, so if you could please be my friend, I'd really appreciate it. That was my first time actually getting genuinely saved. So... But I went home, and of course, going back home, I still, I never had discipleship, so I never even knew what that entailed. And I remember I would always find it hard to even live a holy life. Reading the scriptures never really made sense to me, and I found it hard to maintain this relationship with God that I said I wanted. Like, I would, like, I would always fall into sin. I remember I would cry out to God, like, God, like, why can I not be holy? Like, I always found myself, like, either lying or at that time I was also stealing or, you know, thinking about lustful thoughts, pornography, things of that sort. And I remember just thinking to myself, like, what is it? So even though I was saved, I still found myself deviating into things just to fill my void because I never knew who God was. So at that time I got involved with pornography, masturbation, everything of that sort because I, I still wanted something. I did not know how to get that from God. When I was going into college, I told myself that this was finally my chance to find myself, 
ironically. This was my finally my chance to find myself. So I remember um, going into college, wanting to forget all the thoughts about about God. Like I just wanted to really just explore things on my own and really just find find who I was without the religious boundaries that I had, right? However, I like to compare my story to the children of Israel, right? The Lord kept revealing himself to them. However, they were disobedient. So I was still disobedient to the voice of God because literally before I went to college, God sent one of my mentors now and he gave me a prophetic word. And for me, I was just like, I'm not even trying to think about God. So I literally ignore the prophetic word that he gave to me. But I went on to college and in college, a um, couple days into college, I got in this situationship with a guy and essentially I found myself falling into falling into sexual morality, right? I found myself falling into sexual morality and but for some reason that was still not satisfying. I felt like this I was holding on to this guy because I wanted something else, but I did not know how to grasp what I was looking for. So literally, there were times when I told him, I was like, actually, no, I want to leave holy. And I didn't know how to leave holy, and he didn't know how to leave holy either. But I would tell myself, I want to leave holy, and we'll end up like still committing sexual morality. And I would literally find myself weeping. But I did not know how to get away from this thing because this was all I was used to. So eventually, um, I was able to muster up the courage and muster up the strength to walk away from that. However, I still never found myself fulfilled. So I ended up still going into alcohol. I remember my first day drinking. My first day drinking was because I felt like I experienced some some form of defeat. Um, so I had applied for something. I didn't, I didn't get it. And I remember I just found myself numb. And I told myself, what can I do today? I was like, okay, I guess people always talk about alcohol, so let me go ahead and drink. So I went ahead to get a drink, and that was my first time ever getting drunk. I was like, okay, maybe I like alcohol. You know, again, the feeling of numbness was a thing in my life. So I went back, and I found myself not quite addicted, but I found myself just craving this thing, right? So I was craving alcohol more and more, and it was to fill this thing, but it, was, it, it wasn't getting filled. And even when things would come up in my life, I literally would just tell myself, I don't have time to think about this, right? So from childhood, I accustomed myself to not being able to fail, right? I, did not, I didn't want to fail. I didn't want to experience sad emotions because I was I told myself that I felt like I had to be strong. I felt like I had to figure things out on my own. I felt like I had to be my own defend, um, defender. So I, I just felt like I couldn't process this thing. So even things that weren't necessarily seen as bad, like for me, one of the things I also used to numb my emotions was accomplishments. So back in college, I would be the one who was always involved in everything. I would be the one who was always doing well in school. I graduated with 3.9 GPA. So I was doing well in school. And for me, those were the things that made me feel like like I was experiencing something in life and I was on a high in life, right? And even at some point, I even got involved in Greek life. And I got in, involved in Greek life because I wanted to find joy in something. I wanted to find acceptance in something. I wanted to find purpose in something, something that was bigger than myself. And I just couldn't find it. However, I was only Greek for less than a year because God pulled me out and because I had a knowledge of God, I wasn't able to fully get immersed in these things, but I still found myself going into them. Anyway, so back in 2018, that's when I crossed. I crossed March, March of 2018, and I was involved in Greek life. And I remember after I crossed, the Lord came to me, and the Lord basically told me, do you want um, this Greek sorority, or do you want my plan for your life? And I remember just being super conflicted, because I was like, 
I see this, right? So this is what I see in front of me. And right now, you know, I'm accepted in school, right? Like, people looking at me saying, like, wow, Chi-Chi is doing all of this, right? Chi-Chi is involved in this. Chi-Chi is Greek. Chi-Chi was in the royal court. So, like, I felt, I literally found, it was such a conflict in my mind. But I was like, I felt like I didn't, I didn't have the strength to say, God, I really wanted your purpose. So I still stayed in Greek life. I still stayed in Greek life. I still continued doing all these things. And God just kept coming to me, right? So I kept having dreams. I kept having like I kept having revelation of how demonic this thing was and basically at some point I finally decided to denounce and when I decided to denounce it's actually crazy because I ended up having a couple car accidents I feel like that was kind of scared of me but I made up my mind to denounce and after I denounced that was my first time actually feeling like I could see God for who he was so in that time I went ahead to just to just try to figure out who God was and who I was in God. So I remember um, even starting from John 1-1, right? So for me, I was I grew up memorizing scripture. So honestly, scripture lost its meaning to me. Like it lost its meaning to me. I did not know who. I, I knew about the scripture. I knew about the I knew about the text. However, I never understood the weight that it carried. So I remember like even going back to John 1-1. Like in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was the God, and the Word was God. Who is the Word? Who is God? What does the Word say about God? So I I remember just going back to the foundation of what it meant to be Christian, what it meant to know God. A friend of mine called me and she was like, you don't know God. And how do I know you don't know God? You, I know you don't know God because you find yourself falling into the same pattern of sin. And although the sin was different, this pattern was the same. That was my first time really wanting to know God. And the Bible says in Jeremiah that when you seek me with all of your heart, you shall find me. And I found that through my testimony. I just started to say God. And I came to God in all my imperfections saying, God, I literally don't know how to live a holy life. I don't know how to be set apart. I don't know how to even love you, right? And I realized in those ways, the Lord started to teach me this thing. The Lord started to surround me with people who were like, teach me how to love him or who even show me what the love of God was like and because I was able to experience the love of God I found myself not searching for those very same love in other people or in other things so that really continued through my Christian journey of course through my Christian journey has been a journey of forgiveness since 2018 has been a journey of forgiveness and not just forgiveness also therapy um I feel like the Lord used therapy to really make me aware of my emotions so I think there was a lot of parts of my life that I had I had closed the lid to because I never wanted to deal with I never wanted to like deal with the experiences of abandonment that I felt like I experienced or the experiences of even sexual abuse or things like that I never wanted to experience those things so the Lord had me go back to ter- therapy in 2020 and I was forced to really deal with those things on my own and the Lord actually used therapy to heal me so it's been a journey because before the Lord even came to me about my purpose, yes, that drew me to him. But before the Lord even talked to me about my purpose, the Lord started talking to me about his heart. I started to understand what it meant to actually grieve the heart of God. I started to understand what it meant to actually experience the Father. And because of these things, I was able to tap into a deeper realm in God that I never thought was possible. So for me, I grew up thinking I could pray, right? So I grew up in church. We always prayed. However, the Lord started to introduce me to intercession, and intercession was not possible until you experienced the emotion of the Father. And for me, this was like things that were new to me. So I was like, this is new. Or even listening to people and not feeling like, I, I didn't even know how to show empathy to people because I didn't know how to receive those empathy for myself. Like every time people would talk to me, I would literally just laugh because for me, I never, I never understood what sympathy looked like. So I was never able to show that to anybody else. 
So that was my really my testimony of just really learning God and really just learning how to love God, how to love myself, and how to really break free from religious systems. So that's my testimony. Now, Titi, can you walk us through some of the things that the Lord began to reveal to you as you began to seek his face and where he's even brought you to now, you know, from that moment of salvation, he began to tell you about your life, your call, the things that you were going to do. How have you seen him, you know, kind of make some of those promises come to pass in your life now? One thing I felt like the Lord did with me the most was the Lord had to restore my emotions. The Lord had to restore um, even my mind, right? So, there were lots of parts of my life where I had believed the lies of the enemy about what my assignment on earth will be. Um, so the Lord had to really do a complete 180 of what that looked like and really just me looking to him, me not looking for other people's acceptance. One of the verses that the Lord kept reminding me of was Galatians 1.10, which talks about do I seek to please men or do I seek to please God? Because a lot of my, a lot of things I did in my lifetime was to please other people. That's one of the first things the Lord did to me, just really causing me to really look to him. And how has the Lord fulfilled that? The Lord fulfilled that because when I was finally able to denounce, that's actually when the Lord started to reveal to me even more about my about the books he has called me to write. So when like my first book that I wrote was about identity. Although I start, I started writing my freshman year of college, but I did not finish writing until my senior year of college because I thought I knew what this looked like because I had an idea of who God was. However, I started to realize I didn't I had I knew nothing about identity because I never knew God, right? And God started to reveal his promises to me by just started to starting to even reveal more of his assignment to me. Um God started to reveal to me um where I am called to as far as fivefold office is concerned and the Lord started to even bring me more into like how can I not just how can I get there, but how can I be an effective servant of the gospel? How can I love people together in there? Because there was a part of me that, like I said, never really knew how to fully relate to people or fully empathize with people. And the Lord really had to cause my heart to really be softened. Um, the Lord had to cause my, my heart to be softened so I can really know how to serve people well. When it came to intercession, the Lord had to help me to even be able to intercede. And also, how have I seen God fulfill it? God has given me a community more than I even thought was possible, right? So not only did I find an amazing church, but, like, I literally am so grateful for the friends that I have because for so long I felt like I had to accomplish certain things to gain people around me. I had to be strong so people felt like, so people felt like I was, I was good enough to be their friend, Some, but God had to really change my mindset and really surround me with the right people. And ultimately, God just had to reveal to me himself. And in revealing to me himself, there's still more. There's still more to the journey. I started to have encounters with God. I started to really gain new revelation, gain new insight of the Bible, actually reading the Bible and actually understanding scripture, being able to live a holy life, being able to live a life free of sin, right? So going through a, a process of deliverance, right? And not just deliverance as an exorcism, but deliverance the process of walking out my salvation, the process of seeing myself freed from these things where I don't desire pornography anymore, where I don't desire self-harm, seeing those things and actually being able to come to God, seeing God as this friend, right? So for me, that has been it because when trials come, I no longer look for voids. I'm able to actually look to God and cast my kids in the Lord. Now, Chi, give us some insight of what it was like for you to find a community that the Lord had placed you in, but also was beginning to use to make you feel safe um, versus how it was when you were growing up. You know, it was this community that made you want to pull away from God. What has he done for you in, in that area? 
it was hard. It was very, 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 very difficult. Um, finding a community when I was still healing myself, everything in me wanted to push them away. Because for me, I felt very exposed. So when the Lord brought, started bringing friends around me who were called to help refine me into the character of Christ, literally everything in me wanted to run. And I and thank God for therapy because that was the first thing God introduced me to. But I remember I would talk to my therapist about, like, this person is confronting this part of me and I don't like it. Or even when my friends would rebuke me, I did not know how to properly take a rebuke because for me I always saw rebuke as criticism and because I I grew up with a performance mentality so anytime I saw something that was even negative I just saw that as like a hit on my my individuality or like who I was as a person and for me I literally tried to run from that and I felt like I had to defend myself whenever my friends would rebuke me so there was a time when my friends sat me down like Chichi, you know we love you, right? Like, you know we love you, and you don't have to defend yourself here. So for me, finding a community um, that God brought around me, it took a lot of vulnerability. And it's still taking vulnerability. I'm still in the process. Um, but it took a lot of vulnerability. Um, I had to get to a place where I was able to share my real emotions. Like, hey, when you said this, it triggered this in me, and I was hurt about it. Or when you do this, I feel abandoned, or I feel neglected, and... It took it just took vulnerability and just being able to actually actually reveal myself, actually reveal my real emotions. And also another thing that I would say that it took was really able to understand people more. That would have been impossible without God, right? So there was a time when I was talking to some of my like two of my friends and the conversation was of course very intense and I remember I was just like I don't even know what to say. Like, I just did not know how to respond. I did not know how to give wisdom because for me, this were things I never had to process in myself. And I went to go pray about it. I was like, God, can you please help me to be a friend? So even the process of being a friend, I had to relearn that because I never grew up having those confidence. Like, I grew, I grew up basically by myself. Like, my siblings lived with my mom and I lived with my dad alone. So I never really understood it. And my first time even coming out of my sexual abuse was with my friends because I never even knew it was a thing. I was oblivious that this happened to me and then one day me and my friends were having again an intense conversation my friend is prophetic so of course he said something and I was like wait that did happen and I remember when he said it I knew it happened however I could not bring myself to cry I literally just stared at him for a long time and he was like telling me like you know it's okay like and I was like no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, I kept repeating myself I was fine, but he had to tell me, like, no, you are not fine and you're actually weak. So, for me, it took a lot of digging and unveiling and uncovering and just really learning not just to trust my friends, but to trust the God in them and trust that God brought these people to me so I can be safe here. That was the process. Chichi, who is Jesus to you? Jesus is literally my friend. Trying to fit God into one category, it's almost impossible. I feel like when I experienced um, lonely times in my life, he is the friend that literally stuck closer than a brother. God has shown himself to be a very present help. He has shown himself to be my sustainer, and he's just shown himself to be the person who is trustworthy. He's a friend. He's a friend. He is the one who loves me more than I could love myself, the one who sees my imperfections but still chooses me, the one who continually to shower me with grace. The Bible says the righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. And I think for me, I've definitely 
fell more than seven times. But just seeing that Jesus still loves me every time, he's literally a friend. And he's a selfless friend, a very patient friend, a friend who's there, a friend who's there in the highest highs and the lowest lows. Just a friend, a friend. Chi-Chi, what would you say to those people who may be going through church hurt right now or may be struggling with the church that they're at and it makes them want to kind of step away from Christ and the gospel? Get to know God, right? Get to know God for yourself. Um, Get to experience the Father. I think there are two parts to this. So for some people, maybe the Lord is showing you this thing so that you can better empathize with those people who may be going through it in the future. Um, But for some people... This may just be the plan of the enemy to derail you from God. But regardless, I say cling to Jesus. Cling to him and really, really listen to him for the direction that he has for you. And when you know God, you're able to see that the church you are is not a representation of the God you serve. And because of that, you're able to differentiate the two. But don't allow the action or inaction of anybody else to reflect on Jesus because Jesus is who he says he is in his word. So get to know him, and when you get to know him, you'll be able to be fully rooted in him, and you'll be able to stand. But also know that God understands. So when we talk about church hurt um, and things we've experienced, Jesus experienced the same thing, right? So Jesus was crucified ultimately by religious people. So this is why you have to get to know God, because he's able to empathize with you. The Bible talks about you don't have a high priest who isn't able to empathize with your weaknesses. So you can go to God even with the things you're currently suffering with, and he'll help you through those things. Chi-Chi, do you have any advice or words of encouragement for those young people who feel like life is a little bit too much and they're looking to things like self-harming or drinking or even um, sororities and fraternities to kind of make them feel better? Do you have any advice for people going through this that may be watching? For people who are going through these things, I just want you to be rooted in your identity. Um, I would like you to really take a journey with God and just discovering who you are and who and what your purpose is in life. Right. When you find your identity, you're able to understand that you are set apart. And because you are set apart, you're not able to fit in with, you know, sororities and fraternities and also realizing how precious your life is. Right. Your voice is precious. Your existence was purposeful. And because it is purposeful, you cannot afford to let the enemy lie to you. So I just say, take a journey with God and really discover your identity. And the place of discovering your identity, you'll be able to find joy in your existence. Um, And I would say one thing that really helped me was really confessing my sins to one another. So in those places where I felt weak, allowing somebody else into those places, somebody else that God sends, of course, allowing somebody else into those places to really help pull me through those, knowing that I never have to suffer alone. The devil has a thing of making you feel isolated, but you're never alone. So the things you have experienced, somebody else has experienced, and they're willing to walk with you through those things. So my advice is just really get to know you, um, get to know the authority you carry, get to know the power and the strength of God that's on the inside of you, and just walk worthy of the calling. And ultimately, in a couple years, you'll be glad you did. Chi-Chi, do you have any last words for the people that may be watching your testimony? For anybody who is watching my testimony, specifically for those people who were raised in church, I just want to say, do not let religion stop you from knowing God. It's very easy to 
be in church all your life and have a have an idea or an inclination towards God. However, you never really know the heart of God. Don't let religion cause you from from missing the Lord that you say you serve. I just want to encourage you just to really draw near to God. Um, draw near to God. Really experience Him. If you're finding a hard time maintaining a path of righteousness, draw near to God because the Bible says He keeps us from falling. So when we're scared of falling, it's easy to just follow religion, but cling to the Lord, cling to the cross, and watch how he changes your life like he did for me. Also, for those people who may have been derailed because of other people, I also want to say forgiveness. Forgiveness will be the key to really unlocking different dimensions in God because one thing about unforgiveness is unforgiveness doesn't just affect the other person, but unforgiveness also affect how we approach God, right? So really get to a place of forgiveness, forgiving yourself as well, and just walking with God in a, in a, with a pure heart. Chi-Chi, can you pray for the people that are watching your testimony right now? Yes. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for every single viewer. We thank you, God, for the audience. Father, I just even pray, God, that your spirit just even penetrates through your heart. I pray, Father, that you would just even reveal who you are to them. I pray, oh God, that you will reveal yourself to them as a friend. You reveal some to you reveal yourself to them as a father. You reveal yourself to them as a comforter. I pray that you would just even reveal yourself as the I am God. Father God, I pray that you will be their defense, you will be their support. And I pray, oh God, that anybody who may not know you, I pray that you just even draw them to yourself, Father, and you just even unveil their eyes so that they may see you. Thank you, Lord. And I pray, oh God, that you just even help us to continue to walk with you, oh God, with clean, with clean hands and a pure heart. In Jesus' name. This is what we like to call you, Jesus. 
and he is on our side today in spite of us. I don't care what you've done, when you did it, and how often you did it. If you come to God, he will in no wise cast you out. But you must come to him, as she said, from a sincere heart. You can say what you want out your mouth, but God hear what we say, but he's looking at what we're doing. So if what we're saying and doing are two different things, you know we're lying. Our lips and our heart must line up together. Hallelujah, Jesus. And then we are all right. Amen goes right there. Good morning to you, Duck Northwest M. Good morning to you. God bless you for tuning in with us. We're happy that you stopped by today. Thank you so much. So listen, we're moving a little bit further. And um, I want to go to this one. Um, Ten clear signs you have the Holy Spirit. Because a lot of people, they're not sure. And somebody told them when they first got saved, they received the Holy Spirit when they got saved. But he's about to give us some um, good information, some clarity, some options, as they call them, so you'll know what you have, what you received. And if you can't find yourself in these 10 things, then you got to go back to the altar. Or you begin to pray and ask God to fill you. Baptize me in your Holy Spirit. Yeah, I call it the Holy Ghost. Y'all know how I am. And uh, it will be all right in Jesus' name. Because we need the Spirit to lead and guide us. Because he's leading and guiding us into all truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So look, I am going to... I got to find it first, y'all. All right, let's take a listen to this one. And uh, when we come back, we're coming back with 10 clear signs. Uh, a gospel yeah. journey. Trouble sometimes are here, filling in hearts with fear. Freedom we all hold dear, now is that stay. Humbling your heart to God, saves from the casting rod. Seek the way, pilgrim strive, in the way. will soon be your happy forevermore when we meet on that shore free from all care rising up in the sky telling this world goodbye hopefully then shall fly glory to
wondered if you have the Holy Spirit? Or have you ever found yourself questioning whether the Holy Spirit is active in your life? You're certainly not alone. If we are honest, many of us grapple with these very thoughts at different points in our spiritual journey. So, how can we identify the signs of the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives? Today, as we take a look at some of the signs of the Holy Spirit, I want to encourage you to not just know about the Holy Spirit, but to truly know Him. There is a big difference. Come to experience the Holy Spirit and let Him lead you every step of the way. Your life will never be the same. I am also going to pray a powerful prayer with you in the name of Jesus. So watch until the end and open your heart to receive the blessings of this prayer. The Bible offers clear insights and assurances about the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. Romans 8 verse 9 says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. This passage highlights that having the Holy Spirit is a definitive mark of being a true believer in Christ. Furthermore, Acts 2 verse 38 advises us, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This tells us that the Holy Spirit is a gift given to all who genuinely turn to Christ signaling the beginning of a transformative relationship. Imagine holding a well-worn Bible, its pages filled with little scribbles, highlighted verses and so, bookmarks. Even though Keturah's Each page you turn tells stories of faith, resilience, and redemption. As you read, familiar verses comfort you, while new insights challenge and grow your faith. Each word, each story in this Bible reflects God's unwavering love for us and that gentle nudge, the quiet voice in your heart, guiding you to a particular verse or insight. This is just one example 
of what being led by the Spirit truly means. So, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're not just speaking of a distant concept or vague idea. We are speaking of the promised Holy Spirit, God's ever-present helper in our lives. The Holy Spirit is the living breath of God, the force that can move mountains. The Spirit is our helper, standing by our side, the teacher that reveals truths, the comforter in times when we're downhearted, and the guide that directs our steps on unfamiliar paths and guides us through the storms of life. Just as Jesus said in John 14, verse 26, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all I have shared with you. Through every twist and turn of life, the Holy Spirit is there, playing multiple roles, always guiding, teaching, helping, and comforting us in this journey as believers. We realize that stepping into faith is more than just a choice. It's an invitation to a life filled with the power and love of Christ. It's about feeling a new energy, the same energy that empowered Jesus to perform miracles, heal the sick, and touch countless lives. But remember, in Zechariah 4, verse 6, the Bible tells us that it is not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit. This verse emphasizes that it is God's Spirit that empowers us to do extraordinary things, just as Jesus was empowered to perform miracles and heal the sick. From the stories in the New Testament to the exciting adventures in the Book of Acts, the Holy Spirit's presence is evident. These stories are not just events from the past, but are alive and relevant today, reminding us that the Holy Spirit continues to work wonders in our lives. So today, let's explore ten signs that show the Holy Spirit's presence among us. Sign number one, transformation of character. In our lives, change is inevitable. Like seasons shifting, we too undergo changes both inside and outside. But when the Holy Spirit is actively working within us, there's a particular kind of change, a special transformation that is unlike any other, as the Bible, in Galatians 5, verses 22 to 23, explicitly states, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These aren't just words, but transformative changes. Their presence are an indication of a heart deeply influenced by God's grace and the Holy Spirit. Whether you are making reference to your own life or the life of others, these changes should be present in a believer's character. It's as if a garden, once dominated by wild weeds, suddenly flourishes with colorful and fragrant blossoms. Consider that this transformation isn't always instant, nor is it always easy. There will be days of struggle, of doubt, days of trying and failing. So I am not here to tell you that your walk with God is going to be perfect. But what's important is that in the midst of these trials, we persevere 
leaning on the unwavering strength and grace of God. For it's not the absence of challenges that defines our faith, but our resilience and reliance on Him while experiencing them. It's the Holy Spirit that nurtures us, gently tending to our souls, guiding us through those challenging moments. Just as a potter shapes clay, the Spirit molds our character, smoothing out rough edges and filling the cracks with Christ's love. Over time, our desires shift from the worldly to the heavenly, from pleasing ourselves to pleasing God. It's a journey from being self-centered to being Christ-centered, and it's truly one of the most beautiful adventures one can experience. Sign number two, desire to pray. Prayer is like our heart song, a sacred melody that we share with the Creator. Yet, there will be moments when our voice falters, when emotions cloud our thoughts and words escape us. It's in these silent gaps, these pauses, that the Holy Spirit steps in. As Romans 8 verse 26 beautifully states, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. This is telling us how the Spirit becomes our voice, translating our heart's deepest yearnings into a language only God understands. It's like having a friend who knows exactly what's on your mind, even when you can't find the words to express it. One of the beauty of prayer is its simplicity. It doesn't require grand gestures or eloquent words. All it needs is a sincere heart. The Holy Spirit amplifies this sincerity by turning our simple whispers into profound conversations with God. He becomes our partner in prayer, guiding our spirit and deepening our connection with the Almighty. So, when we kneel down to pray, we're never truly alone. The Spirit is right there with us, ensuring that every sigh, every tear, Every unspoken word is heard, felt, and cherished by God. Sign number three, conviction of sin. We've all had moments in our lives when we felt a tug at our heart, signaling that something we've done wasn't right. This deep sense of awareness is not merely a feeling of guilt. It's the Holy Spirit working within, heightening our sensitivity to sin and driving our hearts towards repentance. Look at what Jesus himself stated in John 16, verse 8, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. We see this happening in the story of King David and the prophet Nathan. When David strayed, it was Nathan's gentle rebuke inspired by God's Spirit, that guided him back to righteousness. The Holy Spirit plays a similar role in our lives, offering gentle corrections and guiding us back when we drift. But here's the thing. The challenge arises when some of us overlook the gentle nudges of the Holy Spirit that has been urging us to return to the right path. Over time, if ignored, these sins can form habits or strongholds in our lives that may become challenging to break free from. These strongholds not only entangle us, 
but also complicate our lives even further. Sign number four. Understanding of Scripture. Have you ever read a scripture that you've seen countless times before, but suddenly it speaks to you in a new and profound way? I can surely testify to this, and I know that this experience is not unique to me. That's the Holy Spirit's work, making the Word of God come alive and making it resonate deeply and personally with us. John 16 verse 13 assures us. However, when He, the Spirit of Truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. The Bible tells us about the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8 verses 27 to 39. While reading from the book of Isaiah, the Ethiopian eunuch was approached by Philip. Without the Spirit's guidance, the eunuch struggled to understand the scripture he read, but with Philip's Spirit-led explanation, the message became clear, and he was baptized. As we delve into God's Word, the Spirit consistently sheds light on scriptures, revealing deeper truths and making connections that we might have missed on our own. Sign number five, empowerment for service. Imagine finding a well of strength and ability within you that you never knew existed. That's the transformative power of the Holy Spirit, equipping believers with the strength to serve, witness, and testify for Christ. Acts 1, verse 8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Think of the Apostle Peter. Before the Holy Spirit came upon him, he denied Jesus out of fear. But afterwards, filled with the Spirit, he stood in front of thousands, boldly proclaiming the gospel. Likewise, as the Spirit works within us, our God-given talents and spiritual gifts not only become evident, but are also refined and utilized, all for the glory of God. Sign number six, increased compassion. Compassion is more than just a fleeting sentiment. It's an overflowing of God's love in our hearts. Romans 5 verse 5 states, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. This love transforms us, leading us to genuinely care for those around us. Remember the Good Samaritan. His compassionate act towards a total stranger showcased a heart touched by divine love. Yet, it's essential to note that sometimes other individuals may also outwardly perform acts of kindness without genuine compassion at the core. But, true spiritual transformation is marked, not just by actions, but by an authentic love that stems from a deep connection with God. So, there is a difference. As it relates to the Good Samaritan, in a similar way, the Holy Spirit stirs in us an authentic concern, aligning our hearts with Jesus' profound command to love God, holy, and to extend that same love to others. Under the Holy Spirit's influence, alongside this love for our fellow humans, there also arises a deep, genuine love for Jesus himself. It's an affection that is sincere, 
going beyond mere ritual or religion, while drawing us closer to his heart and his ways. This transformation is a testament to the Spirit's power to redirect our affections and priorities, anchoring them firmly in Christ. Sign number seven, speaking in tongues. On the day of Pentecost, a miraculous event occurred. Acts 2, verse 4, tells us, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This was evident in the early church, where believers were empowered by the Spirit, expressing their faith in diverse yet unifying ways. But even today, this miraculous gift of speaking in tongues is still present in the lives of many believers, serving as a testament to the Spirit's active presence. Consider this. Speaking in tongues is a supernatural sign, showcasing the Spirit's magnificent work within us. It's a divine utterance that allows our spirit to communicate directly with God. While not everyone may experience this in the same way, it remains a genuine testament to the Spirit's overflow within our lives. So, if you ever doubt the Spirit's presence in your life, due to your experience differing from others, Remember that it isn't about comparison. Each of us have our own story. Embrace your unique experience, for it is genuine and valid. It is a testament to the ever-present overflow of the Spirit in your life. Interestingly, I can vividly recall my first experience of speaking in tongues. It occurred at night, right after I was emerging from a dream. So... These spiritual moments manifest in their own perfect timing. Like many believers, you can seek God's guidance and request the gift of speaking in tongues as a sign of the Holy Spirit's presence. Be patient and avoid comparing yourself with others. Remember, it's a gracious gift and a unique experience. All that's required of you is to be open-hearted and welcome it. Sign number eight, guidance in decision-making. Life is filled with crossroads, decisions that can significantly shape our paths. These decisions can sometimes mean the difference between life and death, success or failure, seizing an opportunity or missing it. But with the Holy Spirit's influence as believers, we aren't left wandering in the dark or to navigate these moments alone. As we tune in to the Holy Spirit's divine guidance, we find clarity, even in life's most complex moments. Romans 8, verse 14, assures us, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. So, the Holy Spirit is our compass, providing divine direction and wisdom. Consider the story of Paul and Silas in the book of Acts. When they were imprisoned for preaching the gospel, rather than falling into despair, they sang praises to God. As a result, there was a miraculous earthquake that opened the prison doors. Their unwavering faith and the guidance of the Holy Spirit not only led to their physical freedom, 
but also to the jailer's spiritual salvation. Therefore, this kind of divine direction not only enlightens us with the truth or points us to the right path, but also provides peace, assuring us that we're in alignment with God's will. Sign number nine. Biblical Signs and Wonders The Bible is not just a book of past events. It's a testament to God's enduring power and the wonders that come through faith. Mark 16, verses 17 to 18 promises. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Such divine demonstrations aren't limited to biblical times. Reflect on the Apostle Paul's journey in Acts. Once blinded on the road to Damascus, he later regained sight through Ananias' prayer, showcasing God's miraculous power. In today's world, believers are still witnesses to and instruments of God's marvelous works, proving the timeless nature of His promises and the ever-present power of the Holy Spirit. And sign number 10. Peace and faithfulness. Amidst the whirlwind of life's uncertainties and challenges, there exists a sanctuary of calm available to every believer. Philippians 4, verse 7 tells us, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This isn't a temporary feeling or a short-lived comfort. It's a profound, enduring peace that anchors our souls. Consider the Apostle Paul, imprisoned and bound, yet his letters radiated with an inexplicable peace. Even in chains, he wrote words of encouragement and hope revealing the deep well of peace that was His through the Holy Spirit. Such inner peace is not dictated by our surroundings, but it comes from the Holy Spirit, reminding us continually of God's everlasting love and care. Also, in a world where people often change their minds and don't always stay loyal, the Holy Spirit gives believers a strong and lasting commitment to faithfulness. So, if you're struggling with staying faithful, you might want to seek the guidance and strength of the Holy Spirit to help you maintain your commitment to your spiritual beliefs and values. Consider that as a believer. If you are unfaithful to others, you are also being unfaithful to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The devil will stick around if he finds that you're not resisting. In 2 Timothy, Chapter 2, verse 13. The Bible reminds us, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. The strong sense of commitment or ability to stay faithful isn't just something we do on our own. It's a divine gift given to us. Think of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. As stones rained down on him. He gazed heavenward and saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Instead of anger or fear, Stephen's heart overflowed with faithfulness, praying for his persecutors. Such unwavering commitment to God's teachings, even in the face of dire adversity, 
is a testament to the Spirit's transformative power within, guiding us to hold fast to God's promises and live out our faith courageously. Isn't it comforting to know that in our journey with God, we are not alone? The Holy Spirit actively works within us, nurturing our growth, guiding our steps, and instilling virtues that reflect the heart of Christ. Let us embrace these signs with open hearts, trusting in God's plan and purpose for our lives. As we journey forward, let's remain steadfast, leaning into His unwavering love and grace. With the Holy Spirit by our side, we can confidently face tomorrow, knowing we are held, guided, and loved beyond measure. Remember, we are living in times where many voices clamor for our attention. But there's one voice, the Spirit's gentle whisper, that can guide us through the most turbulent of storms and into the calm of God's embrace. Let us not merely seek the signs, but yearn for a deeper, intimate relationship with our Creator through the transformative power of the Holy Spirit, changing us to become more like Jesus. In that intimate relationship, we find true purpose, peace, and the profound joy of knowing we walk hand in hand with the Almighty. So, let us continually foster our bond with the Holy Spirit, ensuring we remain in tune to His daily guidance and influence. Now, let us go to the Lord in prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me so that you can have all the blessings of this prayer. Let us pray to our gracious and merciful God, Heavenly Father, Almighty God, You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the Creator of heaven and earth, God of both the visible and the invisible. I praise You and give You all the glory. You are a bright light in the dark, giving comfort to the downhearted and strength to the weak, Lord. Today I come before you to seek your holy presence. I invite your Holy Spirit into my life. Make your holy presence known to me, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are my helper and comforter. May you fill me, empower me, guide me, and teach me. Holy Spirit, I ask that you bring about a true change of my character. May you fill me with the fruit of your Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Lord, help me to show these changes in my life, not just for my own good, but also for those around me. May my heart align with your desires, and may my actions reflect your love. Father, as I seek to draw closer to you, I lay down my burdens and seek your guidance. Through the Holy Spirit, I am grateful that your Holy Spirit steers me away from sin and towards your righteousness and grace. Lord, may your Holy Spirit help me to have a deeper understanding of the Scriptures. May your Word come alive in my heart, bringing light to every corner of my being and leading me to your truth. I pray for empowerment, Lord. 
so that through your Holy Spirit I may be a vessel for your service, reaching out to others with love, compassion, and kindness. Father, let me recognize the gentle nudges of your Holy Spirit in my decision-making, ensuring that every step I take is in alignment with your perfect will. Lord, as I grow in faith, may signs and wonders manifest in my life in ways that will bring glory and honor to your name. May you guide me to understand and receive the gift of speaking in tongues, using it for your divine purposes. Father, may your Holy Spirit give me the peace that surpasses all understanding. May you bless me with an unwavering faithfulness to stand firm in trials, always staying in obedience to your word and your will. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke every force that seeks to derail my journey. Father, I ask for your divine protection. I am thankful that you are my deliverer. You are my shield and buckler. Lord, you are my hiding place. I declare that everything is working for me and not against me. Lord, may you bless the work of my hands and bless me in my comings and goings. Deliver me from all evil. Lead me not into temptation and keep me close to you. In the name of Jesus, I declare good health and healing over my body, mind, and spirit. I cast out every spirit of confusion, doubt, and fear from my life. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord, that you are greater than any challenge I may face. Lord, as I bring my loved ones before you, I ask that they seek you more each day. May you show them mercy and bring them to experience your peace, love, and grace. Father, let their lives resonate with testimonies of your goodness, and may they find refuge under your wings and comfort through your Holy Spirit. Lord, as I say this prayer, together with everyone listening, for every person opening their heart to you right now, I ask that you fill them with your Holy Spirit. I pray that we will experience your divine touch a revelation of your love, and a profound understanding of our purpose in you. For those feeling weak, Holy Spirit, may you give them strength and courage to overcome. For those experiencing sadness, sickness, pain, or hurt, Holy Spirit, may you be their comforter and healer. Lord, help those who are worried or troubled in their hearts and minds to feel your peace and love. For those who are feeling confused or lost, Holy Spirit, may you help them to come to know all truth and to be their counselor, providing them with guidance and clarity. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Thank you, Lord for hearing and answering my prayer. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen.
If you were blessed by this message, type the word Amen in the comments section below. I declare that all the blessings of this prayer are now upon you. In the name of Jesus, you can help. This next song is a favorite of mine because I stop and think of why I love Jesus. And the first thing that comes to mind is I love him because he first loved me. I love him because he looked beyond my faults and he sees all of my needs. I love him because in spite of Edward, he still loves me. I love him because he meets every need. And not only the need, but he supplies and gives me my heart's desire. Thanks, you know, a lot of things we don't even need. We don't even need them, but just because we want them, God gives them to us. Hallelujah. Pray for us as we come with, Lord, I love you.
spreading the love worldwide. www.jesusinthemorningradio.com Hallelujah, Lord, I love you. Hallelujah, I really love you. Ah, yeah, he's the best thing ever happened to me. And I like to talk about him. I like to tell what he's done in my life. Great and mighty things. Hallelujah. So listen, the studio is open. If there's someone who have a testimony or something they would like to share, please feel free to press that number one and come in. After all, the topic today was Friday and testifying or testifying and Friday. Hallelujah. All right, Sister Jerry, I'm coming at you right now. Morning. God bless you. How are you? Good morning, Sister. How are you? I'm blessed. I am blessed. Oh, I am blessed too. I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed listening to that man, you know. I'm now starting to hear Jesus. He's starting to wake me up. It, 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 it oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I, I, I let the devil shake me yesterday. Boy, he shook me so bad. And when I get my phone bill, it, it, it was crazy. And I looked at my light bill. It so went crazy. It was like bills I have no control over, but bills I need. We're looking crazy. It's just like, God, what? You know my income don't change. What? Will not that try to cut the oven on the baked biscuits? It's broke. I said, what? What's really going on? It's like my finances are being attacked. So yesterday I just, I, 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 I'll admit, I got real feeling quiet and quiet. I said, Lord, have your way, Holy Ghost. But while I was saying that, I was crying out, have your, I mean, literally crying. You know, Barbara, like the day I went to church, I was crying and couldn't stop. I don't even know why I was crying that day. But have your way, Holy Ghost. Some of the medication I need to go to the doctor, they say it's going to be $84. I say, what? But I can't get the insurance, the good insurance like others have. I said, okay. I surrender all to you, be Lord. Reaper, this morning, God showed me how to pay the $84 that I need for what I need for this body of mine. Hallelujah. I got a hold of my policy. He said, I want you to read your policy and I want you to go right here. My $84 are going to be covered because when I get off this line this morning, I'll be able to call the doctor's office and tell them about this little segment that I have. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah this morning. Thank you, God. I can now literally say I truly hear God. Not because I went to a segment in my insurance, but remember, I can't do nothing by myself, but God led me to that section. I can literally hear God because he came and sat beside me this morning 
And he strikes four in the morning. He says, yes. You're really being shaken now, aren't you? I mean, I talked out loud. I said, I'm being shaken like no other. Lord, you took money from me so bad. My husband didn't come gone. My son didn't come gone. My extra income by the money my husband used to give me is gone. God, I'm down to such a low income, I don't know how I'm going to make it. But the one clear voice I heard him say, do you trust me? Yes, I trust God. Do you trust me that every word I said is coming to pass? To be honest, I hesitated for a moment and I said, oh God, it's not what it looked like. It's not what it looked like. But God, I said, people dropping out of my circle. My money is diminishing. And I'm feeling all by myself. I'm sorry, I'm taking up so much time this morning, Father. But God said to me one thing. He said, hold your hand out. And I promise y'all, I felt the spirit in my hand. Okay, y'all may say I'm crazy. Okay, but I felt this. I felt the shaking. And when this man was talking this morning, I felt the shaking. And I thank God. He said, fret not yourself. For I promise you, you have been delighting yourself in me. I'm never going to leave nothing sacred. Every need of yours shall be made. Everything you need is taken care of. It was never Bob. It was never your son. They were little, little, little. Yes, nuggets I had. But let me tell you, the cane hasn't failed. Will your roof done fail when I'm talking chess? I don't know if people know about that. Your pond's done fail. But let me tell you, you're the queen and the king, not the king, and we have not fallen. Every need of yours is already met. Trust me. This is where I'm taking you, where I'm taking you. Everybody's going to wonder how you getting there and how you doing this and that. But I am the Lord thy God. I see you. And let me tell you, Jerry, many going to become jealous. So I let them drop out the circle where they think you don't have nothing. So when I bless you, Remember, they disappeared. So today, I just want to thank God. Yes. I have something for you this morning. But, Bob, I just want to say, God, thank you. Yes. But I want you not to look. Yeah, not to look at your situation, but to look at Almighty God and truly have all power. Because the enemy yes. comes kill, kill, and destroy. The, the, the devil will tell you some things. And you're looking mm. at what he's doing. 
And the more you look at it, the more real it becomes. But remember, greater yeah. is that lives within yeah. us than he that is in the world. Yeah. And you go go back to it, go back to his word. Proverbs three, five through seven. If God gave that to anybody here, if he has ever given you that scripture, that's for you to hold on to for the very rest of your natural and spiritual life. Because guess what? If you will obey that five through seven, God is going to move in your life. But you can't look at the situation. You got to look at God this morning. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Hallelujah. He's always there, won't leave, won't forsake you. I'm telling you, I found myself I had did wrong. I had done some wrong stuff. It was straight up yes, yes. Straight up scene. And when I came yes, he yes. down Pettis with a song, I don't feel when he said that there are Pettis and the words that came out of Pettis' mouth next. Pettis said he won't leave you. He won't do it. He I could feel that thing. I could feel the spirit of God. Yes, yes. And that's mine because it was true. It was him speaking in my spirit. To let me know, let it go. Now, I've forgiven you. Let it go. Forgive yourself and move on. Yes, God. You can't look at the situation, Jerry, because if I look at my situation this morning, it, it, it would just be too bad. It's, but too, I it's too much. I got to look to the hills from which comes my help. All of my help comes from the Lord. He yes, made God. Thank you, Jesus. That's Thank what you. I got. Let me tell you, Barbara, one more thing. The devil told me to stop sowing seeds. Okay. He said, how you sowing seeds and you got no seeds? Mm. God told me, he said, I don't want you to just sow seeds to one. Now I'm going to give you another person. I said, oh, my God. But you know what? I'm going to obey. Who report are you going to believe? That's the question he asked me. I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. I'm not gonna, yeah, I might cry a little bit because I don't know why I'm crying. But all I know is all taken care of, it's all well. Okay. I, I got a beeping in my house somewhere, and I don't even know why what that noise is beeping in my house. Probably, I mean, you know, Jerry, it may be a, a, a fire, the fire alarm thing. What is it called? Oh, yeah. oh, the battery? Yeah, the battery has gone out. Yeah, smoke alarm. Smoke alarm. I do have one of them. Okay. That may be what it is. Oh, but that's what but I'm Bye. not even worried about that. I, okay. tell you, I told you this morning. Keep on. Yeah. And it's God already God showed me what to do, how to do. And, Barbara, I know I'm getting crazy because I'm getting these shots in my knees. But I just want to tell God, I used to fall every other day. I haven't fallen now. This is my month. I have not fallen one time this month. But it has got to do it. God promised me some things, and they're coming into fruition. They are manifesting in me, in my body. Thank you, God. Everybody have a great weekend, and remember, without God, we have nothing. 
I don't care. You could be a millionaire. I've seen millionaires go broke. Oh, yeah. Huh. Thank well, you, I've God. Seen them with money and with sick. <laughs> and there was huh. no children. I've seen them had huh. lots of money and lost their children. Yeah. Son died. Yes. Daughter died. Yes. Son money, died. Money I've seen died. the president now of the United States that has lost a child, and he has a lot of money. And I'm not talking about his son, whatever that one that's in the White House with him now, but he had a son that died before he became president. Money cannot stop God's will in your life. Well, money is a tool. It's a tool that we can use. But it is not our Lord and Savior. It is not our God. Thank you, yes. God. Thank you, God. What you have to do is, is to go to God. Yeah, not money. Mm-hmm. Money not thought. Yes, God. But listen, Sister Dara, I want to play this one for you. And uh, when oh, you come yes. back, if no one has anything they would like to say, I will pray us out. But if you have something to say, we have time this morning. Yeah, lots of time. All right. I'm, I'm going to my
inspiring and encouraging you all day long. Jesus in the Morning Radio with Barbara. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He will hold me fast. Yeah, he won't leave us. He's going to stay right there. Because he loves us so. Oh, he loves us. It's us who don't love him. And it's us who walk in our flesh. We don't walk in the spirit enough. Yeah, until we get that thing down pat. God bless you, Sister Dot. You made it. You made it. <laughs> Pray all went well. God bless you this morning. And a great big good morning to you. And a good morning to you, Pastor David. God bless you this morning, Sister Vita. Good morning. God bless you, Minister Shonda. Good morning, and God bless you this morning. Good morning to you, Sister Irene. And God bless you this morning. And a good morning to you, area code 813-646 are the first numbers. Good morning, and God bless you this morning. Again, good morning to you, Sister Jerry, and God bless you this morning. So we thank God, and good morning again to you, uh, Duck Northwest M. God bless you this morning. We thank God for his people. Thank God for his people today. And we don't have no right to judge people and to point our fingers. And I got to go with what the words say. I got to go with what the words say. But I didn't come to hurt nobody. And I didn't come to, to mess with nobody. If it's what the word said, I believe it. Yeah, I wasn't, wasn't there when God inspired man to write it. But because I believe it, I'm going to do what it says. I mean, to the very best of my ability. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. He's able this morning to see us through. I don't care what's coming your way. And then sometimes you may have to ask for some help. You may not want to, but you may need the help. And if somebody can help you, ask. Yeah, I'm asking. Sometimes folks say she begs now, but I will ask. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can either say yes or no. And if you say no, I've got to come up with another plan. But it is already all right today in Jesus' name. So is there anyone else this morning, uh, Friday and testifying or testifying and Friday today? Hallelujah. All right. If not, I will pray us out this morning. And we pray the Lord bring us back Monday morning, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I pray that you have a prosperous and blessed weekend and that you will share the good news of Jesus wherever door or opportunity come open to you. The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And we are praying that the Lord of the harvest will send more laborers. But we want to remember the labor that he called and chose us for, or, or called or chose us for, either one of us, or the both. We want to remember that and obey God. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And it's already all right today. Again, in Jesus' name. All right. No one have anything to say. All hearts and minds are clear like they say in church. <laughs> We're going to pray out. Father God, we thank you. Thank you for your word today. For Father, your word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And forever, oh God, the word it settles in heaven. We thank you for everything that we heard concerning you today. And Father, we 
bring Sister Jerry before you as we leave. Ask that you would open every door unto her. And Father, whatever she's given or given, multiply it back to her a hundredfold. Lead and guide her in the right path for your namesake today, O oh God. Touch and heal her body. You know what she's standing in need of. Touch and heal her heart. Touch and heal her mind today in the precious name of Jesus. Father, you know what's going on, and you know what's best for Jerry. Move by your spirit this day and fix it for her. In Jesus' name we ask. Father, we know that there's nothing too hard for you to do. Ah, we thank you. We thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, we ask that you were covered in the blood of Jesus and that, God, you would bless her mm, in ways she had no clue. In the name of Jesus, we ask this. Father, we ask as we depart this weekend that, God, you would bless each and every household represented here, every family member near and far, and every friend, Father, near and far. Move today for your people in the name of Jesus. For those coming through the archives and the podcast, Lord, do the same for all of us in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. Ah, we thank you. Hallelujah. We thank you. And Father, we ask that you would touch and heal those that are sick this morning. Lord, we know it don't feel good. But God, we know you took a beating for the healing of the nation. And again this morning, there's yet healing in the hymn of your God. Hallelujah. And Father, it's you that heals all manner of sickness and disease. Do it for your people right now. You heal the lame. You heal the blind. Do it for your people this morning. In the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you. We give you glory. We give you the honor and praise. Bless those that are incarcerated, those that are in, a, in every branch of the military. Widowers and bereaved families, intercessory prayer people everywhere, Israel, Jerusalem, preachers everywhere, God. Bless today as only you can do. Lord, bless Israel and prosper Jerusalem. Bless our brothers and sisters overseas everywhere. Especially those that have to hide, oh God. They can't just come out front. They can't even say your name. Bless this morning. In the precious name of Jesus. Keep them safe from all hurt, harm, or danger. Bless their children, O oh God, like never before. In the precious name of Jesus. Oh, we thank you this morning. We thank you. Father, we ask that you will continue to bless America and have mercy on the leadership. Have mercy on the leadership, O oh God. Lord, let them become closed in their right mind long enough to. Bless your people in the name of Jesus. We thank you. Open up financial doors this weekend for all of us. As we give, God, as we give, return it back to us a hundredfold in the name of Jesus. We thank you. Hallelujah. We give you glory, honor, and praise. And Father, we ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen and hallelujah. May the Lord watch between me and thee. While we're absent one from another, in the name of Jesus, go today in love and peace. 
Oh, hallelujah. Give someone something of quality. God love that you're forgiven. Have a blessed weekend. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon you starting right now. Friday, September the 29th, 2023, in Jesus' name. When we come back, we'll be in October. Uh-huh. So God bless you. I'm tired. I was up. Went to bed about 9-ish, I think. Was woke up at 12. And then go back into something to 3, if I'm not mistaken. Then got back up around 5 because I wanted to work with uh, 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 property uh, Robin Lynn Mavis. I wanted to work with her. And so I got up and I said, I'm going to be up when she called this morning. I'm going to surprise her. I'm going to be wide awake. I'm going to be alert and all of that. So I got up and I did that. But she and I were going to work on things for YouTube after the show if she's gotten enough sleep. Because I I'm in no real rush. I want to do it, but I've already paid blog talk. You know what I'm saying? So uh, we have time. And if she needs sleep, she needs some rest, because I'm not the only client, I should say. Well, I'm not her only friend. And so she's helping others. So we have to let her do that. And if she needs sleep, get your sleep. And then when you're well-rested and you have time, come on back and help me out. And And you two will still be there. Hallelujah. I love blog talk. I'm so sorry, y'all. I do enjoy it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I remember back in the day. Yeah. But anyway, and things change. I know. And you got to go with the change. Well, God bless you this weekend. Have a wonderful weekend. And uh, again, bye-bye. Have a blessed weekend. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's go to our last song of the morning. And I'm going to double take it today, okay? A Gospel Journey. Trouble sometimes are here, filling in hearts with fear. Freedom we all hold dear, now is that stay. Humbling your heart to God, saves from the casting rod. Seek the way pilgrims try, Christians away.
ずかも」